just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live. Well, it is almost Thanksgiving next week, and then after Thanksgiving, as you know, the Christmas season, and this is the these are the times that try men's souls. <laughs> you get around family, uh, and it can be difficult, and you get busy, and and I just it's just one of those times that's hard for a lot of people, uh, and a lot of things come to head um, in families, especially, but in any kind of relationship. Well, we're going to help you make it through the holidays today or through any period where you uh, are struggling maybe with a relationship. My guests today are Dr. Heather Thompson Day and her husband, Seth Day, who is a college chaplain. And they have a book on relationships. It looks just like this. It's called I'll See You Tomorrow. And, you know, <laughs> you, ever, you ever left that Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner and said, I never want to see them again? <laughs> We're going to get you past that, so buckle up. It'll be a good program. Judy, good to see you. If you guys want to jump in, chat, have any questions or comments, always welcome those. And uh, Heather, how are you doing? You know what? I was just telling you, we survived a snowstorm yesterday. Other than that, I'm good. All right, Seth, good to have you with us. Thank you. Happy to be here. There you go. Okay. Yeah, you know the Zoom thing, um, it's the loudest person that, that pops on the screen. I don't have any control over that. So sometimes if you guys are watching, you're like, I can't, I can hear him, but I can't see him. It's Zoom doing that. Anyway, so uh, love the title. Interesting title, right? But I'm curious why you guys decided, okay, because there's lots of marriage books. Let's, you know, uh, and, but I don't see a lot of like adult relationship books where it kind of goes mm. broader than the marriage, but yet that's where we all live. What made you guys pick up on this? You know, I think I'll let Seth speak to it, but we have totally different personalities. And so I've been studying communication for the last decade and communication is the vehicle by which we experience relationship. And so I'm well aware of all the data and research that says, this is the most important contributor to your happiness hmm. is your relationships with other people. Hmm. And so I told Seth, I, I got to write this book. I got to tell people how important their relational well-being is actually to their lives. And Seth, what did you say? If only it were that easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the reason he said that is just, yeah. well, I'll let you speak for yourself. Yeah. I think in life, um, depending on, on your family dynamic, particularly, because that's the one thing growing up. I mean, you don't have that autonomy to decide what family you're born into or mm -hmm. what that dynamic looks like. And later in life, you get that as you turn 18 and can make some different choices. But we are so influenced by these choices that are, you know, they're dictated for us. Um, we don't choose who our parents are or the school we go to or the how people treat us at school. And so all of these factors um, are either positive or negative. And then all of a sudden, we, whatever we do after 18, we carry all of this with us. Mm -hmm. And do we mm -hmm. ever fully process that? And then we carry it into our adult relationships if we don't deal with it healthy. And sometimes we have these maladaptive coping mechanisms and that is just creates more chaos in our lives. How so this is important. Yeah, yeah, it is. How, how long have you two been married? We have been married. This is going to be our 12th year wedding anniversary coming up in March. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Has it been 12, Thank you. 12 great smooth years? 
It has been really good years for us. I will good. say a lot of, I hear, I say this to my students a lot because I think sometimes in culture, we give this idea that marriage is going to be like this ball and chain that we have to figure out how we survive. And for me, Seth has absolutely made my life so much better. Um, I think really has changed my spiritual life. Like, and he just sees the world totally different than me. Right. So where I'm, we talk about this in the book, my personality is get up and get back in there. Right. Like do the job, do the work. That's my personality. And Seth's is, have you ever asked them why they're still laying down? Yep. Like some people actually, Heather, they need a season to lay down. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so grateful for his partnership in my life, just in how I treat and deal with people. It's it's changed me to see things through his lens. Um, they say marriage is an institution and they say that love is blind. And so marriage, you could call it an institution for the blind. Um, (laughs) but it does, it does. When you talk about marriage, it it does feel that way sometimes. Cause I mean, I got married, I was 21 right out of college, a week after graduation. Um, and we're 31 years now. So we work, we worked it out, but you just don't know what you're getting into. And and like Seth, like you say, you come in with a background that's not the other person's background. Mm. And that's not just Mm -hmm. true in marriage. That's true in all relationships. And we, we're, we're very myopic, you know, nearsighted. We Mm -hmm. we know what we know. How do we get beyond our own backgrounds? And I, you know, Heather, you gave a great, great example, seeing how Seth sees, which was differently than you see. Mm -hmm. How do do we do that without the pain that so many people go through in having to make that adjustment? Yeah, something, say this a lot sometimes in interviews, but Brene Brown says this, and I think this is even true in the in the marriage dynamic or, or close friendship dynamic, whatever family dynamic that looks like, or, or friendship simply. But she says it's, it's really hard to hate someone up close. And hopefully, mm-hmm. um, hopefully you're spending time with that person, whether it's a friend or your marriage partner. We get so, life changes. I mean, Heather and I have three kids now. And so we have to be intentional about spending time with each other. Mm -hmm. And so if we're, we can say, well, yeah, I was really close and we spent this season of our lives up close. You can't just rely on that 10 years down the road. It must be a continual thing in our lives where we're getting up close to people. And as people get career driven, um, go through different things, we tend to get more focused in that type of work that we're doing. And we need to slow down and make sure that we're still getting up close, even in our marriages and friendships. And I'll say this, Randy, I'm, I was just talking about this with Seth this morning at breakfast where the book for me, I realize is not trying to convince somebody. I, I teach persuasion. So persuasion is yes. very difficult. I'm not trying to convince somebody who is really hurt and angry right now as to why they need to jump back in there. I think mm-hmm. the purpose of this book is for those of us who we have caring, loving hearts naturally, Mm -hmm. and we don't want to lose it. How do I not lose what I naturally am? Despite whatever I've gone through, then this is the book for you. Mm -hmm. Um, How do we learn how to say, I'll see you tomorrow to other people and to ourselves, despite adversity and challenges, which unfortunately is the deal. It's just going to be a part of life. There's no, we, there's no way around it. We're going to have to go through it. And so how do we go through this together? What do you, and do you I, I struggle to under, understand sometimes um, 
people who have not been born again, right? Or we could say people of faith, however you want to, you want to phrase it. But to me, um, I think there's some unsurmountable barriers in our sin nature, which is why we need a new nature. Uh, what do, where do mm. you guys see the role of, of having a, a whole entire soul spirit change in order to even mm. begin to talk about this? Yes. As a yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ephesians 4, Paul says, I urge you to live a life worthy Mm -hmm. of the calling you have received with all what? Humility Mm -hmm. and gentleness, right? Bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. That is the call to the Christian. Mm -hmm. And I'm really passionate about this because we are Trinitarians. We believe in the Trinity. I believe God is only, God only exists in the Trinity. And yet we think we as fallen human beings are able to go through life alone and we're going to, mm-hmm. it's just going to work. We're supposed to be image bearers. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really personally believe God has always been invisible because he's meant to be seen through his people. And so when I am with on a secular campus and people say, well, where is your God, Heather? It's not that God has failed. It's an indictment on the church. It's an indictment on the image bearers who have ceased to bear the image of a relational God with all humility and gentleness bearing with one another in love. How do we recommit to this thing despite the experiences we've gone through? Well, that's good. Seth, do you have anything to add to that? Beautifully said. Uh, essentially to add to what Heather's saying about these things that we need in our lives about this and you to piggyback off you about our nature in the book there's a study that's mentioned uh by the Barna group that says those people essentially who have been radically forgiven are more likely to extend radical forgiveness to other mm-hmm. people and so that's what happens and that's why it's so important to kind of have this transformation experience in our lives. I want to I want to share a short story here and and I'll make it brief here okay. to, to let you know where I'm coming from. 10 years I didn't speak to one of my close family members in my life that I grew mm-hmm. up with a cousin until this last summer. We had a falling out. Uh you know, I'm 35 years old and so 10 years previously, we got into just an argument and it it escalated over the phone and it was my cousin and we just didn't talk after that. And it ate me up for literally, Randy, like 10 years of my life. And I'm like, man, didn't see him, avoided family reunions, all this stuff because of this thing that just escalated, shouldn't have. We both should have said we're sorry, but we didn't. I saw him for the first time this last summer at a wedding. And I had so much anxiety and so much stress wondering how that was going to play out. And I'm sure your listeners have been through something like this in their lives. And as I was leaving, we made some small talk and I was like, okay, that was okay. Phew. He put his hand on my shoulder, my cousin, and he just looked me in the eyes and he said, Seth, without saying anything else, let's never let that happen again. And I looked at him. I mean, I got probably a little teary-eyed. I'm sure he saw that. We hugged. I texted him a few times since then. But you know what? What I learned from that, and I think one of the things in this book, is that we don't have to be perfect. And I take ownership for what I did wrong. And I think that there are certain relationships 
that there needs to be really strong. I'll let Heather speak to this after this about um, incidents and patterns mm -hmm. that need to be broken probably isn't safe to re-engage in for many various reasons. But this was a relationship that was quite healthy in my life until we had this one falling out. Mm -hmm. And because of that one falling out and neither of us calling each other and saying, I'm sorry, an entire relationship was lost for almost over 10 years. And so when that experience happened, I can't tell you the anxiety and the stress that I had been carrying just melt off my back. And I walked away going, man, Seth, this is a person you could have had in your life to support you as you were going back to school, someone you could have texted and had coffee with, whatever that looked like. And so I hope, I hope as we talk about this nature, as you were mentioning this and Heather's talking about these certain things we need to have in our lives, like I hope that there's someone listening, weigh that thing out that that is something they would pursue is repairing some of those relationships in their lives. Do you want to talk about the incidents and patterns? I can. Is that okay, yeah, Randy? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You Just, got me. You, you got me here on this one. This is. Yeah. Good. So I am, I'm growing more concerned because I, again, I teach communication. I've been teaching communication for over a decade and I keep hearing my students say things like, well, they're toxic or, mm -hmm. you know, cancel culture, all this stuff. And I like, for me as a communication person, words mean things, right? Like the word that you use to describe a relationship changes the nature of the relationship itself. So let's not use words in a way that it doesn't even fit the, the description. So for example, when somebody says, oh, they're toxic, I'm like, oh, was there a pattern of toxic behavior being displayed? Mm -hmm. Is there poison still in the, every time you take a drink, because that's what we're saying when we say toxic, mm -hmm. every time I take a drink, every time I'm next to this person, there's poison in the well, and it's making me sick. If that's true, this is a dangerous relationship. Mm -hmm. But I, I think it's, I'm getting concerned that we're using a word because somebody hurt my feelings or because somebody was made me mad or because somebody was insensitive, right? Yeah. There was an incident. Yeah. So I challenged them, friend, we are looking for patterns. Patterns absolutely should be broken, but incidents can be forgiven. And oftentimes what we are calling toxic people are incidents. Somebody, are you, the one thing that you will always have in common with every single person around you is that neither of you will be perfect. <laughs> And so if we are really upset because somebody did some imperfect thing, that may be true and it may be valid, but at least for me, I've been the bitter friend. Mm. I've, I've been the one who didn't call when mm. I should have. I've been the one who is insensitive. So my goodness, I, I'm so grateful for my friends who have forgiven me, right? Mm -hmm. And I hope I can extend that same forgiveness to them because the reality is like more than obesity, loneliness is killing us. It is killing this generation. And especially I, my humble belief is it's killing the church. Hmm. We have got to figure out how do we live in relationship with one another? Gee, this is Bible. This is Jesus. Jesus said, you, you love people who love you. Great. Because the heathens will, will are willing to do that. <laughs> are you willing to love those who hate you? Hmm. None of us are anymore. If you at me wrong, I'm done with you. You're blocked. <laughs> what are we doing? And how are we then claiming the image of God? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm working on a book uh, about the kingdom and what that means, what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to my pastor recently because he started teaching on it. And I was like, oh, you're doing a series on this? We have to talk. So we sat down. And, and I, I was telling him how I, as I was working on this, I realized 
that when someone hurts me, when someone is toxic, whether, and, and by the way, the, the, the clarity between patterns of toxicity, yes, which is a red flag, and an incident where I, I just didn't like it, that, mm-hmm. that is so true. And yeah. I really think we need to, to use that as the measuring stick for how yes. we respond, because you should respond differently to those things. Right. Mm-hmm. I realized that, you know, when someone I think is, you know, I, I don't like what they're doing, I don't like what they're saying, whatever. My Christian response, well, okay, my response, let me, let me <laughs> back that up. My response is, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put up that uh, boundary is what we call it. You know, we don't call it a barrier. We call it a boundary because that sounds better. <laughs> sure. And then I, I don't talk about them. I don't talk to them. Uh, and, and then I call that the Christian thing. And really, that's not what Jesus says. Yeah. I mean, mm. he, he, he talks about forgiveness as my father has forgiven you. Yeah. Right? He talks about loving those who, you know, are, are your enemies, who, who yeah. persecute you. He talks about blessing those who curse yes. you. Now, I don't know the last time that, that when someone cursed me, I thought, yeah. okay, you're at the, now at the top of my prayer list, and I'm not just going to pray that God will strike <laughs> you down. I'm going to pray God's blessing on you, and I'm going to seek ways to bless you. Honestly, I can't really, I don't know that I've ever done that. And that's what Jesus says, the, the king, yeah. that's where things completely change because it takes it out of my hands and puts it in God's hands. And that's when good mm. things happen. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what I hear you saying is, is maybe we need to reevaluate those difficult relationships and, and really use God's measuring stick in, in, instead of our own comfortable one in those. And here, here's a question I have for you, because Seth, you, you gave a great illustration. What, does, what do you think it does to us when we don't reach out in forgiveness or when we don't communicate when we put up a barrier and call it a boundary what does that do to the inside of us yeah my concern is here's the thing so this is from Brene Brown but when we look at the quality of our life and we say I have a good life I just need more money I have a good life. I just need to make meet a partner. I have a good life. I just need a better job, but I have a good life. When we're able to compartmentalize where our life is wrong, it's because we have healthy, positive relationships with other people. Mm-hmm. What your brain does when you are, because you are wired, this is, this is true of evolutionary biology and Christianity. You are wired down to your physiology to exist in relationship with other people. It's not optional. So what happens in our brain when we say, I don't have anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't have anyone who I feel like genuinely knows me is we start saying things like, I can't do my life anymore. I don't know Mm -hmm. how to get out of bed anymore. And we don't realize what we are actually saying is I'm alone. Mm -hmm. We never realize that that's the connection. That's the link that's missing. So what it does is it hurts us. Mm -hmm. That's the reality. And we're stressed and we're angry. And so we think I'm going to watch Netflix for eight hours and it's going to make me feel better, but it doesn't right? Mm. Numbing ourselves rarely makes you, listen, I just told this to my therapist because I told her, I was like, she was like, Heather, what do you do for self-care? I was like, well, I watch Survivor for like, I watch like eight episodes of Survivor. That's my self-care. She said, do you feel better after or worse? And I was like, I feel, I feel worse. 
Yeah. And <laughs> she was like, so it's not self-care. <laughs> self-care is watching two episodes and going on a run and visiting my grandma at the nursing home. Because mm -hmm. guess what? When I do that, even though it takes more energy that I perceive to be energy, mm -hmm. afterwards, I feel better. I ha feel like I have an integrity. I can sleep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. right? It's better for your body for sure than, than yes. the sedentary thing. Although I will, I, I will just put <laughs> this on the table. I would like. It. <laughs> let, let, let me let me put something on the table. If if you would watch something like um, I don't know, Love After Lockup, you'd feel way better about yourself. I've seen Love After Lockup. What a show! <laughs> yeah. the, the train wrecks. All right, we're talking to uh, Heather and Seth Day. Uh, this is their book. I'll see you tomorrow. It is available now wherever you get that. Uh, and I have I have a question I'm going to ask before we get out of here. But someone from the audience has a, a good question, and theirs is very specific. But I think we could broaden it. Uh, theirs is what do you do if someone if the person slept with someone else? So there's a okay. pretty blatant example. Mm -hmm. But I think when someone is doing something that is clearly wrong, uh, scripturally, morally, I mean. Pretty much everybody would agree, hey, what they're doing mm -hmm. is wrong, abusive perhaps. Right. That is obviously not something that you recommend that you stay close to, right? Absolutely not. And I, But my issue is I think we often only think in terms of those extremes. Right. And I, for me, in my life, I teach about, I don't know, I, I have tons of students every single semester. I very rarely and meeting people who are intentionally abusive towards others. Mm. So often what happens is somebody makes a mistake. And I think that would be the question, especially, especially specifically to that, talk to your therapist. Is this person willing mm -hmm. to go to therapy with you? Is this person sorry? And even that word, by the way, so this comes from Pluchik, um, the word remorse is an emotion, but emotions are blended or they're primary and remorse is a blended emotion. The only way to experience remorse is to blend together the two primary emotions of disgust and sadness. Oh, wow. So when somebody says, I'm sorry, I say words mean things. Are you mm -hmm. both disgusted with yourself and sad over what you did or are you just sad? Because there's a difference. Wow. And when I cry out to God and say, God, I am sorry, I ask myself, Heather, are you disgusted with yourself over what mm -hmm. you've done? Or are you just sad? Because if you're sad, say that. Say, I'm so sad that I hurt you. And mm -hmm. see how that person responds, right? Words mean things. And so I think the more we extend our vocabularies and the more we are honest with ourselves and others about what we're experiencing, just the better, and I hope, more connected we can be. Because the reality is most of us aren't cutting off relationships because of extremes. And very rarely would anybody at your church tell you not to, right? Most of us are cutting off relationships because you voted differently than me. <laughs> or because right. you see something differently than right. me, truly. And now we're 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 putting a boundary on somebody who just had a different lived experience than you. I, yeah. I just think we have to really examine. I I truly believe most of us are doing the best we can with the tools we have. We don't need less relationship. We need better tools to navigate mm -hmm. them. Uh, and again, before I get to my question, the person who's asked that question says it was a mistake, but it's extremely hard to get over. And I, yeah. I I know some people may say you just need to get over it, but I don't think that's sufficient. No, really? yeah. I agree. 
I definitely think it needs to be addressed, whatever that looks like, um, to start with and, right. and to just say again, something from Brene Brown. She says, if you numb one area in your life, you end up numbing all other areas in your life. I have seen people who've tried to ignore things like this to save embarrassment or whatever that looks like. And it wreaks habit on their psychological well-being. And then that manifests physically and they get sick and have all sorts of illnesses. So putting boundaries on things where you sort that out is not just for the other person that's for you. Definitely, this is not something that you should be grappling with on your own. As right. Heather mentioned, therapy. Yes. And also for me to sit on here and to say, um, whatever that looks like moving forward, you need to do this, we need to do that. I can't say that because there's so many dynamics at play um, for you and that other person. I don't fully understand what that looks like. Is this a five-year journey? Something I want to say this, um, it will look different, okay? It will look different, and that's the first thing to accept. Whatever that looks like moving forward is the first thing. Short story to illustrate this. I used to go hiking in the mountains, and I loved going hiking in Colorado. We lived there for a few years while I was pastoring. One time I fell off the mountain and I almost died. To this day, I have a numb spot on my low back mm. and it was a horrible recovery. I'm just not the same physically. I, I will forever have this numb spot, okay? Now, do I still go climbing into the mountains since my fall? Yes, but am I the reckless, am I, and maybe people aren't reckless. Maybe you just had an accident and you weren't careful, but am I the climber who, used, who now goes on 25 mile hikes by myself and doesn't leave good coordinates of where I'm going? It doesn't go with a partner climbing because now I have to approach the mountains differently because I understand the great risk that's involved and I can't afford to have that same impact on, on myself. Mm -hmm. You know, that would be too damaging. I already have one numb spot. So here's the thing. Will that relationship, whatever that person chooses, will that be the same as it was that perfect? No, I'd, I can't tell to stay or to leave. That's something to work out in therapy. Um, but certainly some boundaries while you work that out is needed. But living a perfect life and living a whole life are two very different things for whatever that person decides. And so that needs to be accepted that things, whatever it is, is going to look differently going forward. And you may have a numb spot that will be carried in whatever the future of that relationship looks like with you. And that's something you need to understand. And that's something the other person needs to understand. Yeah, that's good. That is, yeah. that is, that is good. My numb spot is right here. Okay. And I don't do the activity that caused that anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> That's a whole other story. It involves okay. titanium. Well, now we want to know. <laughs> yeah. uh, Lafort break. I broke my, my upper jaw and my sorry. Uh, cheeks and um, my nose. Oh, wow. And they, all the doctors, or, or all the king's doctors, whatever, they put me back together again. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. La last question, and this is a big one. I'm sorry to dump this huge one on you at the end, but it is an <laughs> issue that we see in relationships. Uh, at least, if not in our personal life, sort of in a, in a in the country, you know, the country we live in right now, and the world, frankly. Uh, so I'm I'm a big ancestry.com guy. Um, mm. I love tracing, you know, doing the DNA, and part of that's because I was adopted at birth. So I, I was it was also putting together a mystery. Um, I'm guessing that you two, uh, your ancestries, look a little different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so when we talk about this issue of what we call race, which I kind of don't like, but this, because I, I don't believe in the Darwinistic mm. idea of, of race or, or and in, in Christ, you know, there's no such thing. Um, but it's a reality we deal with. And it's not, it's cultural, but it is also mm -hmm, mm -hmm, physical mm -hmm. at the same mm -hmm. time. Uh, I've, you guys have had to work through that. I know you, you talk about it in the book, so I'm not 
treading on on trodden yeah, yeah, yeah. ground. How do we? How do? You, how did you? You guys have you? Has it been a difficult issue for you to work through, or just in your family, Heather? Because I know you you've got some of that mm-hmm. uh, the blended things on your side. Um, yeah. What have you learned through that that really would help all of us? Um. So my parent, it was a very difficult issue for my parents who my dad is African-American and Bohemian and Native American. And my mom is white and my grandparents who my grandfather was one of the greatest men I ever knew, um, loved him dearly. He didn't go to my parents' wedding, which is interesting because, and this is why, again, I believe I believe people are capable of better. My grandpa, who was one of the greatest men I ever knew, didn't go to his own daughter's wedding. Mm -hmm. So people are capable of change and people are capable of repentance, but we have to Mm -hmm. give them space to grow and to learn. And the reality is, and people don't like this, but it's true, mercy and grace always belong to people who don't deserve it. Mm. And so... How do we allow in our relationships mercy and grace to extend um, for people to continue to grow and change and I hope transform into the very character that the Holy Spirit is trying to build and shape in them? And and can I add to that real quickly? I just want to say like, I don't think that I can dismiss or we can dismiss what we've been through history-wise and culturally-wise over these last few years. And so even biblically, like when Paul had his conversion experience, I quote me on this, uh, but there's like, I think, believe there's like a 14-ish year period where the disciples just, or apostles just weren't sure about him. And he, there was this time of almost testing. Is this really who he says he is now? Was this an authentic experience? So to say, well, I'm changed, here I am, and to ignore all of the pain and all of the hurt that has been caused and possibly, I mean, there are really high stakes biblically and even culturally today, what's happened over race and stuff. But I think to take that step, and I'm really not in a place to even say this, I should be elevating voices who who are in a better place to say this, but I I think that um, just to echo Heather essentially, like to still move forward, but to dismiss everything, we're not saying that. Right. But sometimes that's what people hear, right? Because this is the reality. If you if you put your hand in really, really cold water and then you put it into warm water, it's really hot, mm-hmm. right? But it's really just because you were so cold on an issue. And so sometimes I think we measure people as not, well, you're not saying this or, but really it's just that you're so hot on an issue that anything that's not hot feels cold. Yeah. And I think often that's what happens in, in communication. We call it bypassing. I think we bypass one another. Mm-hmm. I've had people do it to me. I'm biracial. I obviously care about the African-American experience and I'll have people think that I'm not being pro-black enough. Well, I, I can tell you that's not true. Mm-hmm. That's not true based on my experience. Um, but sometimes I think we're just missing each other because I'm not saying the same words that you would say right? We're, we're attaching different meanings to our words. And so staying in relationship allows us space and grace to realize, oh, we actually are saying the same thing. We actually do agree. It's, so I, I get that, you know, past generations brought some really awful baggage to it. I mean, I saw it in my own family, right? Um, right. Not my parents, by the way, any of you guys that are worried. Um, but I, I, I have a tendency 
at least I have until I started doing a lot of these types of interviews, to naively think that we as the church especially mm. are beyond that. And then I talk to people and realize yeah. we're, we're mm. not. I just, can we get beyond that? Can we be the church that Jesus called or that the Bible calls a kingdom of every tribe and every nation, you know, where there is no Jew, Gentile, there is no uh, this cultural division, but we're one in Christ. Can we get there? Or like, in, I love that in Revelation mm -hmm. because what, what that verse says essentially is people will remain different mm. of every nation, language, tribe. I guarantee you, if you have, and it says a multitude, no man can number, by the way. So if we have a multitude that no man can number of every different language, nation, and tribe, guarantee they're not going to have the same opinion, certainly not politically. They're not going to believe the same cultural things, right? right? But here's where they agree. If you read the text, it says, but everyone cried out, this is our Lord. Mm -hmm. So how do we believe and allow people to express their belief in God differently than me? And mm. it's not a threat to me and my belief in God. Thank good. Hey, that's my God too. Awesome. Beautiful. Uh, you know, Heather, I, I what you said was great, but I love the fact that I throw out a scriptural reference and you go right where it is. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I think it's Revelation 21. That, that is good. Yeah. Actually, and it says it in the intro too, uh, actually, that, that line about uh, he has made us a, a kingdom and priest to our God. Um, mm. so Amen. It, the reference is repeated, but yeah, I love that. Okay. Uh, have I missed anything? Is there anything you want to add before I let you go? This has been this has been dynamite, by the way. Thank you. We both. just adore you and are so grateful <laughs> yeah. that you made space for us on the show today. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Well, and we'll do it again. So, you know, you guys keep <laughs> doing working in the space you're in and bring some more wisdom. We'll, we'll have another conversation. Uh, hopefully, if I'm still doing this, Lord willing, I'll still be doing this. Uh, but appreciate both of you guys. Um, I need to show this. Oh, that's Seth's name key. Where, oh, I have to change this because there's multiple. You. I want to tell you about the website. Um, I'll show you the book. This is the book. I'll see you tomorrow. And I have the website over here on another thing. It's a little hard to get to. There it is. Uh, it's heatherthompsonday.com. So it's Heather's name. Uh, you can see more about the book there. And what else do you have on the website? I'm just curious. I didn't. You know what? You can sign up for my newsletter. So I send out a nice. weekly Friday night email of encouragement. And you can sign up, scroll to the bottom of my website, and just put in your name and email address, and you'll be good to go. We'll stay in contact. All right. And your other books are there too. I see those. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Again, I appreciate both you guys so much. And, um, <laughs> I, okay. Sorry. People are laughing if they're watching the screen because I'm just hitting all sorts of buttons <laughs> and things are just popping up everywhere. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. This has Thank been you. Thank you. Have a great I appreciate day. all you guys for watching. If you haven't followed, subscribed, liked, please do that and come back. We've got more great things for you all the way through the holidays. So keep coming back. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. Be true to what you said on paper.